welcome to a brand new episode of 300 Yards to Unknown coming from the Blue Wire Studios at Wynn Las Vegas. Still very much crazy to say that, so appreciate all the support and how much we have grown. And if you have 30 seconds, go leave five-star rating and review. Very nice. Uh, helps me, helps you. We can continue to do this. Obviously, this is a golf podcast, the 300 yards to unknown, but I'm going to invoke the unknown aspect of it today, and we're going to talk a little bit of football. We're going to talk a little bit of sports betting and a large sports story that we have going on in our world right now. Joining me to break that all down, very excited to bring in CBS Sports' senior NFL writer, host of the Pick 6 Pod, my friend, Will Brinson. Will, thank you so much for doing this. Of course, Rick. Long time, uh, long time listener and uh, first time, first time caller. I guess would be the uh, the phrase. The new studios look awesome. Um, I, you know, as a, I mean, I'm wearing my waste management hat. Big, big golf fan, big DFS fan. So naturally, uh, love the podcast and, and pumped to be here. Yeah, I appreciate it. There's there's some natural crossovers, and I have to tell you, I'm I'm very jealous. Right, the the NFL is just a content machine year round oh, yeah. right whether it's blockbuster quarterback trades whether it's guys maybe having their last dance or not maybe it's guys getting into a sports betting scandal like it just never ends for you <laughs> yeah you know it's funny so uh eric k who's i mean i guess both of our bosses <laughs> yeah. um and yeah, he hired me like uh geez like 12 years ago or 11 years ago or whatever it was when um you know when i when i signed up at cbs he's like all right so like we've got a bunch of because I, I was at fan house before and we covered everything, right? Like you would write about, I mean, literally any sport. Um, and and EK was like, "Do you want to? What do you want to cover? Do you want to cover like golf, NFL, college football?" And I, I mean, obviously, a big NFL fan. But you know, the, I was like, I don't really want to work on the weekends in the summer. So uh, I'm going to pass on golf. Uh, I'll I'll take the NFL. Um, it, you know, look, it is. It, it you're you're right. It's a content machine, and it's every. I mean, I've been doing it for a decade, and every time I think that. I haven't seen the craziest headline, the craziest story. Calvin Ridley goes and bets an eight-game parlay uh, in Florida while he's taking a mental health, uh, uh, well, he's stepping away from football for mental health reasons and, and, and gets suspended for a year. I mean, it, it's it's it, it never ends. And Russell Wilson got traded to the Broncos. Russell Wilson, tra- I mean, like it's a nonstop content machine, and the NFL wants it that way too. Right. Where does this rank in, I guess, the month that we're in? Last 30 days, Russell Wilson's been traded. We got kind of an Aaron Rodgers resolution, and then the Calvin Ridley stuff. I guess Carson Wentz, you throw that. Like, where does this even rank in your ecosystem? Uh, it, it's pretty It's pretty high up there. I mean, we were talking about it on the Pick 6 podcast how and uh Debo uh, my producer actually threw this out there and I, at first it was like that seems like an insane take but it's I think it might be true the Russell Wilson trade is probably the biggest trade in NFL history mm-hmm. I mean we're talking about a future Hall of Fame quarterback who was traded you know in his prime ish I mean maybe a little bit afterwards but he still has plenty of good years left by the team that drafted him without any apparent plan at the quarterback position after a split between he and Pete Carroll, I mean, it's, 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 this is pretty high up there uh, in terms of how an off season would go uh, for, for the NFL. Oh my gosh. Super, super jealous, super jealous. We do not get the team aspect in golf, which I would love. I would, could you imagine Bryson DeChambeau being traded to Phil Mickelson's <laughs> team or away from Phil Mickelson's team after a rift between the two? Like I need this in my life and we're never going to get it. 
I'll tell you what, if, uh, you know, so like, if I don't know if you read the athletic piece um, from Zach Kiefer on the Carson Wentz deal, but like basically, you know, this, every time Carson Wentz gets traded, there's people who are, who are like willing to just kick him under the bus <laughs> and obliterate him and like call him a bad teammate. Like that's what, like, that's what, like th- those would be happening a lot with Bryson trades. People would be like, you don't believe, you won't believe this guy's like doing TikToks in the weight room. And it's like, we can't, it's just too much, you know, tons of that. As a Philadelphia Eagles fan, um, you know, I, I know about the Carson Wentz stuff, but it's, it, it is always amazing what comes out after somebody switches teams. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. I mean, and like, we're, you know, we got the Russell Wilson stuff too, where it's crazy because like with Russ, there's a, also in the athletic, it was like um, uh, Mike Sando and a couple other guys wrote it, but like with Russ, you know, we, I, I, the general feeling around the NFL coming out of the combine was that, I mean, Pete, and Pete Carroll had said it, like, we're not trading. We're not entertaining offers. I mean, they were clearly talking with multiple teams about trading Russ, but it felt like at the end of last year and then through this offseason that Russ and the Seahawks had patched everything up, that they were in a good spot, that, you know, they were going to figure it out. And it was weird, too, because, you know, you have a 70-year-old coach, you have a, you know, a 33-year-old quarterback who – clearly isn't happy with the uh, the way they're approaching it approaching things on offense um you know they didn't really have a, a they didn't have a first round pick until they traded russ and it was like how are they going to fix this what's going to be different why have they decided to make this work it, it felt like a very much of you know like now in, in hindsight it, it it was a you know like let's let's put on a happy face for the kids type of situation <laughs> and there was clearly like a divorce coming and and they sent uh, they sent russ to denver which you know but and by the way like he he wouldn't by all accounts he wouldn't waive his no trade clause for Washington. He would do it for Denver. So it's like, all right, you just want to go jump into Patrick Mahomes' division? Like, do you, how do you think that's going to work out for you? A lot of questions. Maybe not so many answers, Will Brinson, and maybe more questions coming with the Calvin Ridley situation. So this this of course not a golf story, but the the sports betting aspect of this right right up my alley. So just just so we're clear, correct me if I'm wrong. Calvin Ridley, wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, has been suspended for at least the entirety of the 2022 season for gambling on games. We are going to talk about what that actually means, but let's let's get a baseline. Calvin Ridley is what kind of star in the NFL? Is he a top 15 wide receiver? Like how big of a deal is it or how big of a deal is he in your world? He very very big. I mean, okay. he's, you know, he's a I mean, yeah, I think top Top 15 wide receivers, probably fair. Um, so uh, I, I'm in a, I'm in a, I do a, I mean, well, you're probably in the, actually, you know what? You are in the one and done. Um, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the big one and done over or the, the, whatever the Mayo Cup is, but the, but like the expensive one. I split it. I, I'm in a, I'm in it with a couple other guys and we categorize um, golfers by like, uh, you know, John Rahm is an ace. Okay. Love right. It. And like okay. Daniel Berger is a queen. I shouldn't be giving away our proprietary system. <laughs> I was going to say, can you email me all this information in yeah. advance as well? <laughs> um, it, 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 but you get the point, right? So, like, Calvin Ridley is probably a, a high, like a jack or a queen. When it could not in, just in terms of all NFL players, as far as like wide receivers, you know, probably more like a, I mean, I don't know if he's a king, but like, I mean, people were drafting him in the. I was drafting him in the second round of fantasy drafts last year. He is a, he, he's an. He's a young player, but he's kind of an old player. You know, he's he's new in terms of the NFL, but he's an older prospect. So, but he is a young, high-level star in the NFL world. When he stepped away in the middle of the season, right. we already people are already wondering why is he 
you know, why is he struggling so badly? Like, why is he you know, playing so poorly? He's getting targets. He's getting, you know, Matt Ryan's looking his way and he's just not catching. He's not playing very well. He steps away for mental health reasons and he goes down to Florida. And, and bear in mind, Rick, that it is legal under the new, under the 2018 uh, gambling bylaws at the end or whatever they're called like, that the NFL put in. NFL players can actually gamble on non-NFL games. Other sports, right. They can gamble on golf. Like they can get, they can do, you know, you could, you can bet on golf matchups. You can put in some, you know, they can, they can watch 300 yards of the unknown or listen to it and then, you know, make their bets based on that. I imagine many of them are, Will. I, I just imagine they are. <laughs> I have to imagine Calvin Ridley is, is subscribed on multiple platforms. Um, but so they just, they're not allowed to gamble on games. And it is a big, 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 big deal for the NFL. You know, we've seen a lot of people, you know, tweet out, Ray Rice got two games or four games or whatever it is for, you know, domestic uh, violence and Calvin Ridley's getting suspended for the entire year. The, the NFL, the, the way they approach this, and it's, it's from a PR standpoint or like a, like a, just a, you know, just common sense standpoint, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Because the, you know, like when, when things happen, when things happen within the lines of the field, the NFL takes a very aggressive approach to disciplining it. And whether that's because they feel like they have more control, more uh, understanding of, of how to handle that. I, I you know, it's, it's hard to say, but like, you know, Tom Brady, you know, the, the deflate gate stuff. I mean, that, that went to the Supreme court, right? I mean, like that, that's, that's crazy. When you think about it, Calvin Ridley, you know, decides to gamble on games and he's getting a full year suspension. That's just how seriously the NFL takes gambling on football games. And if you look back, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of players who have done it and not gotten caught, but if you, you know, there's a short history, it's like five or six guys who have been suspended for gambling on games. The, it, the NFL saw this, I think as an opportunity to really lay down the law for any future concerns especially now that it's in bed with multiple sports books. Right. This is a situation that's only going to get stickier for the NFL. It's a situ situation that's only going to get stickier for a lot of sports organizations as they are cutting out these deals with sports books, with fantasy sites, as, as this act is being legalized in a lot of the states that these players and coaches and trainers that they, that they live in and they work in, this is only going to become a stickier situation. So is the full game or the full year suspension will – this is an opportunity for the NFL to make an example out of Calvin Ridley. Exactly, Rick. And so if you think about it, it's actually kind of a best case scenario for the NFL in a weird way. Okay. So, I'm, know, dying, I'm had, dying to hear this. Okay. Right, right, right. This, this, again, galaxy brain thinking, but so like Calvin Ridley, you know, we haven't had since, you know, since gambling became okay with the NFL, you know, they've been, I mean, they canceled Tony Romo's, fantasy football convention in Las Vegas like five years ago because it was, it was you can't be in Vegas. Now there's a franchise in Vegas. The draft is going to be in Vegas. And hopefully we get to get beers when I'm, when I'm out there for, uh, if I'm hopefully here, they send us out for the draft. Yeah, I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, you have the draft in Vegas, there's a franchise there and you know, it's like, you can't watch an NFL game without seeing Jamie Foxx screaming about, you know, cash and parlays or, or Drew Brees, Drew Brees telling you to, to bet on single game parlays. So the, since this explosion of the gambling revenue, you know, there's obviously like, like the, like this was bound to happen at some point. Right. right? So the, the reason it's the best case for the NFL is that Calvin Ridley, who is a, is a high profile player, but did it while he wasn't playing for the team. So he's away right. from football. He gambles like a total donkey. 
right? I mean, okay. three. Yeah, like four, six, eight leg parlays. He bets fifteen hundred. But like this is he's got the worst. I hope he does not subscribe to this podcast right? <laughs> because like he's getting bad info. However, he's laying these bets out. Exactly. It's like the most square thing you could possibly do to drop 1500 bucks on a three, five and eight game parlay. He does that. He bets on his team to win. So he's not like using information to fade the Falcons or anything like that. Right. He's, he's, he's betting on the Falcons to win. Like granted, I think they're playing the Jaguars. So maybe it wasn't that bad of a bet, but you get the point. And so the NFL gets this information through through its so um, whoever he was betting with, I, I can't remember the exact sports book, but he's betting with a sports book. He signs up under his own name, as I understand it, which is which again, I mean, I guess it's not I guess that's not a problem, right? If he wants to bet on anything else, it's all good. However, if we start betting on NFL games, that's where it becomes a problem. Right, exactly. So he he bets on he bets on he signs up with his real name. The sports book operator sends that information to this company called Genius Sports, which is in charge of monitoring gambling integrity for the NFL. They help run this investigation with the NFL. And so. The NFL, the NFL then is like, all right, look, you know, we could suspend this guy four games, right? But if we suspend him for a full year and it costs him a fifteen hundred dollar parlay, costs him eleven million dollars. Yeah. You know what? You know what? NFL players are not going to want to do moving forward is gamble on football games because it's no longer like, you know, you you, you know, it's worth the risk to, for a lot of guys to take steroids because mm. you get the suspension, but the upside is that you can you perform at a higher level and you're able to secure a bigger contract. There is no upside. The gambling on NFL games, if you could potentially lose an entire year's worth of your career, which on average are like three and a half years to begin with. So I, the reason it's best case for the NFL is there was no harm done whatsoever to the integrity of the game. Right. Calvin, Calvin, Calvin Johnson, Calvin Ridley looks again like a, it's like a super square. And the NFL is able to, to make an example out of him by suspending him for a full year that will absolutely prevent, in my opinion, like 99% of players from doing the same thing moving forward. It's fascinating. You mentioned it. The $11 million in salary he's going to lose this year by betting $1,500 six-leg parlays or whatever. It's just, it's just so absolutely insane. But you're right. Obviously, a, a huge deterrent moving forward. Now, how does um, – obviously, that's the NFL. And, and even, if, even if Calvin Ridley – we can game this out a little bit, and I don't want to throw – throw him under the bus, but we game this out a little bit. Even if he was betting on games that he was participating in, like how much do you think, where does football rank in terms of sports where someone who was inside the lines on the playing field could, could actually impact the outcome? Um, That's a great question. Quarterbacks, I, I imagine think... could, could, could impact the game quite a bit. Yeah, but it's like, I would think that baseball and basketball are a lot higher depending on what level of buy-in you like it, baseball would depend on the position. Of course, basketball seems like the easiest. Right. I mean, we're not counting like, I mean, ten, I mean, golf and tennis, right. You know, I mean, well, like, you know, if, yeah, if, golf I mean, is golf is, I mean, we can go down the golf route golf. You can very much impact how poorly you play. It's not like you can yes. flip a switch, bet on yourself and say, all right, well, I'm just going to go win anyway. Right. I can't flip a switch, but I also don't control any other factor of whatever, what everyone else is doing. So I guess I could bet matchups against myself would be the most profitable way. If I was a golfer. Yeah. If you were going to, if you were going to th throw a, a round or a, a, a attorney, you know, you could bet on, you could, you know, take, you could take money to miss the cut on purpose easily, like, like easily, like yeah. that would not be hard. You just start firing, firing balls, 300 yards of the unknown, right? <laughs> I mean, like that's, that's all you have to do. Or, you know, you, you know, somebody bets a, 
you know, t- t- gives you a ton of money to lose a matchup, right? I mean, like you could you could pretty easily do that. Tennis obviously is the easiest to throw. I think. Um, right. I think the NFL is probably the hardest of the major sports, just because, like, if you're like some, there's a clip going around. There's like Calvin this. This Ridley. This was terrible, right? I, this is not. Just, yeah, it's really not, bad take. Yeah, okay. Where it, it looks no, like he's running like, kind of sideways and backwards and stuff, and he's yeah. just avoiding. Like, he's like, making a you, business you think, decision. <laughs> Right. I mean, like, do you think that in the, like, Calvin really catches a football and as he's running, he's like looking at the scoreboard and thinking, oh crap, we have to win by less than seven points. No, like, no, like everything happens so quickly in the NFL. It, it, I, I do agree that a quarterback could potentially, you know, alter the course of it. Like you could, if you wanted to throw a game, you could easily, um, you know, just throw a bunch of interceptions, but you know, by and large, I think football would probably be the hardest to impact it if, if you had, in, unless you had like a group of players in on something. Yeah, the and, and it's super position dependent because middle linebackers, you know, I don't know how much impact they're having on the outcome of a game in general. But um, when you... I mean, you could like miss a tackle or something, I guess. Yeah. But but even then, it, like even if you're, even if you're, I mean, like Ed Reed in his prime, you know, how are you going to, like, I mean, are you... You can't, you know, you can only control so much as an individual player. Or like, I guess, it, I mean, an offensive lineman could, you know, purposely miss blocks or something like that. But there's just so many other variables that come into play. It would be, it, I think, I just think it's really tough to impact a game as a, you know, to 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 fix a, a game as an NFL player. Yeah, the, the idea that we keep hearing around um, this injection of sportsbook money, of fantasy site money, of all that stuff is, is going to impact the integrity of the game. We hear it in golf all the time, uh, you know, especially as things will, you know what it is now. It's outrights, it's top tens, it's matchups. When we get to faster data and it is fairways and greens and things that are happening in real time, the, the inside look from kind of some guys around golf says, well, what if a fan does something? What if a fan yells during someone's swing? Or what if they kick a ball back into the fairway? I have my own thoughts on how realistic and how much of an actual danger that is. But like, do you see outside forces and and golf specifically because the fans are up close and personal? Do you have concerns about that moving forward as our as this industry gets more mature? I have more concerns about the way that the sports leagues, and I think this applies to basically all of them, don't really understand the optics of of what's going on. So the NFL, I, I mean, I, I harp on this all the time on my podcast. So, but it's so the NFL this past season, in the middle of the year, decides to, and this was not mentioned publicly, is not discussed at all until we until Mike Tirico in the playoffs in the Bengals Raiders game is like. And there, the NFL is doing what they like to call replay assist, where they buzz in and change the call on the field. So in the in the Bengals Raiders playoff game, uh, Derek Carr completes a pass to Darren Waller, and it's ruled incomplete. And they're going back to the line of scrimmage, and all of a sudden, the uh, the official comes in and says, "Is uh, whatever his name was um, comes in." And he says, uh, "He's like the ruling on the field is a completed catch." It's like what what. How? What? Nobody challenged it. It's like, and the NFL just buzzed in and said, "Hey, that pass is complete." Huh. On the very next play, and they've been doing this like for half the year. It's in. In look, eye in the sky replay is better, but we need to know if it is being utilized sure. as like somebody who's like as literally somebody who gambled on that game. Like, and I got the yeah, I got the Bengals on the money line, and, and I'm like, you know, what the 
what the bleep, you know, like, and then on the very next play, Rick, there's a pass to Hunter Renfro that is, he's clearly bobbling as he goes out of bounds. And Zach Taylor, the Bengals coach, is over on the sideline and he's holding, he's like, uh, I mean, yeah. are they going to, where's my eye in the so, sky? <laughs> and they never did the eye in the sky. So we had to throw the challenge flag. And so, like, that, I understand that what they're doing is not purposely like trying to screw, but th they harp on integrity of the game all the time and they don't realize when the optics make it look like you could have questions about it, particularly in a game where it's like sponsored by DraftKings right. or, you know, whoever it is. So, so a couple of things, integrity of the game means a lot, right? The integrity of the outcome, I think they're the, the leagues are very interested in, but you're right. There's the optics side of it, but then there's also the, the betting integrity of it, right? Does a do, does a, st a stat change, change things later, right? Because now we're getting to the point, Will, where it's not, Raiders minus three, and it's it, these are every play now matters because there are player props, single game parlays, all this stuff that you're seeing being advertised. All now every play matters more than it ever has before, and now integrity of every single play matters, not just the integrity of the single outcome of the game. Correct, and so like if you have, you know, let's say you uh, you bet I don't know like uh, Max Crosby over half a sack. And the NFL just decides to change a stat at the last minute and you lose a bet because of it. I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's those sort of things where, yeah, I mean, it's the NFL has like five 80 year old men, you know, in, in, in stripes, like carrying around a chain with two, like loosely, it's, it's just, they don't realize that when you are, they, they don't realize the scope of what they've gotten into as it relates to gambling when, you know, you're talking about rushing yards, you know, player pops, rushing yards, receiving yards, and you have these antiquated methods for how you adjudicate things in the game, and you have the opportunity to take a step forward when it comes to replay. Like, make it all reviewable. You know, it, it shouldn't be determined by these guys on the field who have been charged with doing a lot more like player, like dealing with player safety and all, all these other things that they have to, you know, now it's like, now you have to, now they're watching out for taunting. Right. And that's the other thing too. Like what is taunting? You know, like uh, Tyreek Hill throws at the peace sign in the playoffs. No, taunting's not called. And he, he says later, he's like, yeah, I was trying to, it was like saying peace and love. Yes, like, to yes, the of defense. Course, as we always do. Right. Sure. You were Tyreek. Yeah, like everybody believes that, but like, you know, the taunting call is a 15-yard penalty that can change the outcome of the game, and it's and it's it's only in place because, you know, a bunch of crusty old white billionaires are, like, sick of players talking, and, like, and it's being, it's, it's, it's not determined by somebody who's reviewing the play. It's determined by these guys in the moment. It's crazy. Two, two things. Uh, you want to talk about 80-year-olds uh, trying to put, put in the stuff. The PGA Tour does that with volunteers and they give them uh, oh tablets that they don't know how to use and trying to figure out if a guy hit a fairway or not from 50 yards away to see if my prop gets done is going to be a problem right. at some point, Will. <laughs> no, that's, that's a great point. I mean, like, I, you know, I've been to the, I've been to plenty yeah, of You see it out there. You know what it looks like. Yeah, the guy, the people running shot link data or shot tracker data are like our grandparents who who are just trying to get free gear and like and like maybe a free round of golf at Sedgefield, you know, and like, like free I mean, tickets crazy. for four days. Like, oh, I get to yes, watch exactly. the golf is what I'm doing for yeah. this. And and so there was and then and it's it's really bothersome too because you know the it's not like the PGA the, like the PGA Tour has this leaderboard page that is so slow and so far behind 
and it's like sponsored by Rolex. It's like I know you got the money, Jay. I know you've got the money to to, to put in some better stuff. It's the same thing with the NFL. Like, hey, Roger, you know you've got fourteen billion dollars a year in revenue, buddy. Like, let's get some mi- microchips, some lasers. I don't know. Like, you like call somebody and get some technolo- technological stuff in there. Spotting the football. It to me yes. is the most outrageous act in any sport. There is no chance that those that those officials have any like. And you call it a game of inches, Will. We're gonna call it a game of inches. There is no like ninety six percent of spots are very far off. That's that's what I'm saying. Like the <laughs> it's 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 these guys with this chain, this this chain that is attached to two giant orange poles that is not even accurate on one side of the it's like oh actually the official yeah, change the official on the side. other side of the field. yeah unbelievable right and, and then it's you know you jog out there that's why i don't understand why when when teams have fourth and inches and they do anything other than quarterback sneak it because those officials by default are going to give you that first down just because they can't tell rick where the ball is like if they're just they run up they're like all right he probably got it so let's just give it to him i mean it's it's crazy that the nfl operates in that method considering how much money and how popular the sport is. So the other side of this then is the entertainment factor, Will. So would you prefer a game last four and a half hours, but 19 things get reviewed to make sure we get it right? Um, n- no, probably <laughs> not. But <laughs> I mean, <laughs> does anybody start podcasting at 3 a.m. instead of 2 a.m. Right. now on Sundays? Um, it, it, you know, I do think, though, that like if you look at college and how they've done it, it's actually, and which is shocking that the NCAA got something right, but they do the thing where, you know, it, the, if, if a play is close, they blow it dead and the referee sprints in and he puts on his headset and he listens to what somebody in centralized replay is telling him. The same thing with hockey. You know, they review these goals to make sure it's right. It seems to me that that's almost more expedient than having the on-field officials try to determine what is right and what is wrong. Like, I've been to the NFL league offices and seen – the replay setup. I mean, seeing the seeing the you know the officiating the officiating uh, like main hub. Um, we and it's it's a big room with a bunch of people and a and a bunch of TVs. And I mean, again, fourteen billion dollar business. Hire a couple people mm-hmm. to watch every game and check every replay and make sure because they're always way more on top of this when it's the when it's like a, a prime time game. It's like it's like there's only you know. I, we always joke, it's like Al Riveron sitting there, and he's he's gone now, but it's like Al Riveron sitting there with like a Mai Tai in his pajamas, you know, like, oh, I guess I could check in on this game here, you know. Uh, it, it It's just hire enough people to and, and assign you know, a, a secondary crew to each game to do centralized replay. And if, there's a, if you need to buzz in, buzz in. But let, let's just get it right rather than, you know, have these, like, it's you just don't know whether, whether and when people are going to get things right. And you mentioned it, $14 billion industry for the NFL. The BJ Tour is a billion and a half dollars. So there, there, there's money there's money there. And I guess really... There's money in the banana stand, Rick. There's money in the banana stand. They can get this done. We don't have to do it with volunteers. We don't have to do it with just one guy watching 14 games at, at once. You know, the idea, I guess, though, for these organizations, for the PGA Tour, for the NFL, for all these major, major organizations, the in theory, the... Um, disincentive to having these guys gamble on games is they already make so much money, right? Like, would you, would you be, I would have been happier to see Calvin Ridley bet $2 million on a game because that could have, you know, like changed his outcome, changed his life instead of 1500. Right. Like the, the big uh, dissuasion around this is how much money guys make. 
Right. And and so that's why you could potentially see maybe guys who are a little bit lower down the totem pole in terms of uh, production and salary in the NFL bet on games at the same time. You know, if, if you see Calvin Ridley is is done for a year because of that, and your dream is to play in the NFL and to get that next big contract, and you're making, you know, the the, the minimum, um, you know, and, and you're, a, you know, like a third string linebacker, do you really want to risk the, you know, your your entire career? Because Calvin Ridley, when he comes back from the suspension, whenever it is, you know, even if it's 2023, is going to be a desired commodity, even though he gambled on games. As Steve Kime, once, the Cardinals GM, once famously said, if Hannibal Lecter could run a 4-3-40, he would get signed by an NFL team. <laughs> like Calvin Ridley is not going to not have a job whenever the suspension ends. If you're a third-string linebacker who goes out and gets caught gambling on games, teams aren't going to want to touch you because there's, you know, the the like the the risk reward there just does, it doesn't pay off. But Calvin Ridley is a game-changing wide receiver. So the idea that, you know, but you're right. I mean, like if you're going to and I I I also wonder, I don't know would the NFL like would the punishment be worse if he gambled more? Was it the fact that he only gambled fifteen hundred dollars on parlays worse? Like if he had bet, you know, two million dollars on the Falcons to cover minus seven, and you know, and they did, would he, you know, would he be punished more? I, I don't know the answer to that. I have to assume that it's that the NFL sort of takes a blanket approach here. I would assume so, um, but you're right. I think it is best case scenario where you don't have this idea that you have a bunch of players betting a ton of money on outcomes of games that they may know that their friends are playing in at the moment. But there, there is an idea of risk reward in, in all of this, Will. And there were reports from um, Brian Flores, right, when he alleged that Stephen Ross, owner of the Miami Dolphins, was offering him $100,000 per loss in 2019. Okay, we've got a lot of issues here. We've got in- integrity issues. But I'll tell you what, Will, like ri- – the outcome that Steven Ross wants is, is to further the advancement of his franchise. I understand this is like the worst possible way to do it, and you can't take on the integrity of the game, but like I kind of get it from his perspective. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, look, you want to tank. He was, ironically, he was tanking for Tua, and <laughs> then later, but like they couldn't tank enough, but then he wanted Joe Burrow. And he tried to trade with the Bengals to get the number one overall pick. And the Bengals were like, no, dude, have you watched Joe Burrow? And then they took Tua over Justin Herbert. And it's very, very clear that Tua is the third best prospect out of that group. So it's just the, the whole thing is just ham-fisted to begin with. But, yeah, I mean, you know, from a, like an EV standpoint, losing football games, if you're, go- if you're going to miss the playoffs, if you're not going to be a playoff team, if you're not going to be a good football team, losing football games benefits you. I mean, there's definitely examples of – you know, teams like the 2011 Colts, for instance, Peyton Manning goes out with a neck injury. Uh, he, he misses the entire year. And it was looked pretty obvious that that team was trying to lose as many football games as possible to select Andrew Luck with the first overall pick. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think tanking can occur at the, at the NFL um, because the players, you, you just won't get buy-in from, from the, from a group, from players. Right. Like they're just not going to be willing to do it. And you know, it doesn't like Brian Flores wouldn't tank because you know, the same owner is going to turn around and fire him for losing games, you know, the next year or whatever, if he didn't win enough games. Um, and so I don't think you can get that wholesale buy-in on tanking, but you can certainly have a situation where the front office 
uh, designs a roster so that you lose a bunch of football games. And I think it's entirely possible that Steven Ross and Chris Greer and whoever else was, you know, building out the roster were interested in doing that. And Brian Flores just wouldn't, uh, you know, agree to help them out by losing football games. So, you know, as, as a result, you know, but yeah, this is, this is something the NFL will take very seriously, I think. And people are comparing the Stephen Ross to Calvin Ridley stuff. You know, like, oh, nothing's happened with Stephen Ross. Well, let's not forget that the Ridley thing happened in la- last November. And so now that they have taken all this, you know, X amount of time to, you know, investigate it, to figure out what they're going to do, to issue the discipline. Um, like the Ross thing wasn't, didn't pop out until at the end of the year or after the season when Brian Flores alleged alleged this in his lawsuit. And so the NFL will investigate it. I, I really think, you know, you get, you talk about the integrity of the game. I think these other owners, like they, I mean, they're all, they're all, you know, it's, it's a, it's a group of owners who work together and they're all friends for the most part. And they like each other for the most part. But if a, one of them crosses a line like this, they're not afraid to, you know, tell Roger Goodell to, to make him sell the team. Like, I don't think that is off the table if they find out that he truly was, you know, trying to like offering like a bounty to lose football games. Well, that's, that's the risk reward on their side of things. That's the risk reward for them to say, we can't afford to have one bad apple that ruins this for all of us. We've got to, exactly. we, we've got to keep this going. We'll, we'll throw him to the wolves and we'll be able to keep our teams and everything will be, you know, fine and dandy. The, the, the thing you mentioned where, Ownership or the front office, uh, they can provide a a roster that is non-competitive. That's the Philadelphia 76ers trust the process route. That's the process. Right. Those guys went out every single night and uh, played their hearts out, and they were just way worse than everybody else was. And in theory, that works. But there's that's like legalized, acceptable um, mockery of the game as opposed to financial um incentives to tank games it's it's weird that the, the result or the main goal at this at the end of the day is exactly the same but one is widely accepted and one is not yeah it's like okay to trot out a terrible roster and right. lose games but it's not okay to uh, attempt to pay your coach to lose games which is kind of the same thing yeah i mean you're right it's like a, it's a very bizarre line between the two yeah, so we're we're still trying to figure that out. Actually, there is a um, there's a Wikipedia article for every NFL suspension ever, and I was like, oh my god, I gotta like I gotta look through this. There are um, it's amazing how what things are in there, but you, there are obviously other instances of guys betting on games. A lot of them are from like 1957, and when they probably made a nickel a game or whatever <laughs> it was. So that that makes a lot more sense. And uh, so we're not necessarily in complete unchartered territory, but as as we game this out, I, I like the I like the path that you went down Calvin Ridley still very much going to be a commodity when he comes back to the game do you think this will stop anyone like is it also best case scenario for Calvin Ridley that if he got caught he got caught doing $1,500 four-leg parlays in games he wasn't even involved in and any owner who does want him when he returns is able to just brush that under the rug yeah I don't think it'll be and yeah this this article is fat I didn't realize this thing <laughs> was amazing. always like like if if you hit control F for Gordon, how many times was it like 15 oh suspensions for Four, Josh Gordon? 14 I mean, mentions yeah. of Gordon on the article. <laughs> wow. That is a lot. <laughs> and they are, it appears to be mostly Josh. It is all Josh Gordon. All that Josh is kind Gordon. of amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, but you know, actually that's a great example. Like Josh Gordon just yeah. signed again with the chiefs. Again. He keeps, yeah. I mean, like he, he keeps getting a job, even though he hasn't been productive. 
just because he has upside it but even though he's been suspended all these different times i don't think i don't think it will be difficult for a team to add calvin ridley and i think you know part of that that will make it easier is the the nfl's embracing of gambling right and as we talked about like just because you know he didn't he didn't bet 10 million dollars on one game and like, like a game that his team was playing in or like he didn't fade his team for $10 million or, and making and, it look and like in that game. Did. He had uh, t- f- five targets, three drops. What, you know what I mean? It would have been horrible. Exactly. Yes. If he had, if he had bet $10 million on the Falcons to on the Jaguars to cover and he had been playing in the game and he played really poorly and the Jaguars did cover and he won the $10 million. I think it would be a lot harder of a sell. This is just sort of like dude went down to Florida when he was away from the team Fire and, and, and let's not forget, Rick. This was there was like a week where uh, mobile sports betting was legal in Florida. Yeah, and that's now all because it, it, it was closed down like immediately. He just <laughs> happened to be there that week, like and happened to bet on the NFL, thinking that. I mean, the whole thing is just it's like more. It's like I'm, it's like I'm I'm not even mad. I'm amazed, you know, like the, the anchorman line. Like I'm not I'm not I'm not like mad at you for what you did, Calvin Ridley. I'm just amazed you're so stupid that you did it like that this all worked for you and you happened to be in Florida when sports betting was legal and you thought you could bet on NFL games because you weren't with the Falcons at the time. I mean, it's a it the whole thing is just incredible. Yeah, the circumstances of how we got here are amazing. Um, while we have a couple minutes left to go here, I I know you are a, a big fan of of golf and I know you like to get in involved in fantasy and all that good stuff. So the the question that I always like to ask people because I think it kind of tells me a little bit about their personality um, mm. is if you could only bet on one golfer for the rest Scotty of your Shuffle. life, who is it? Now the caveat Scotty Scheffler. Scotty, okay, so the cat, okay, let, let me throw out the caveats here. Um, okay. You can bet him any way you want. You can bet him outright. You can bet him top 10. You can bet him in matchups. You can never bet against him, and you can only bet golf the weeks that he plays. Is it still Scotty Scheffler? Yeah, I mean, Scotty Scheffler is my favorite golfer in, in, really? Like, in fact, I mean, I, this is from last year's waste management, but I mean, I, I had Scotty outright at a pretty big number, or not a pretty big number, but I, I, I put it, I had a, it was a very nice, Sunday when Scotty Scheffler won in that playoff. Um, and I, I think that he is going like, and obviously this is easier to say now that he, you know, won the API last week in, in crazy fashion and shout out to everybody who I somehow didn't jump on him over the weekend, like an idiot. Um, but like, I think once he got that first win, it's sort of a, you know, a, a situation where, and this is just true for, like in any sport, right? When you get that first win, but golf in particular, I think when you get that first win, when you break through and get that W, it's just, it it makes, it makes everything a lot easier. And you're able to go out there with a lot more confidence, especially on Sundays. You're not as worried about it. And I think we're going to see that from Scotty where he's going to rip off. You know, obviously he got his second one in in three weeks, but I I think he's going to rip off a, a lot of wins moving forward. Like I would be pretty surprised if he didn't pull off a major this year. And I realize how hard it is to, you know, he's like, 14 to one, uh, you know, to win a major, which is probably a bad number. Right. I mean, it's winning, winning golf tournaments is really hard. Winning majors is really, really hard, but I I think getting that W uh, just, just changes things. And so, yes. And I mean, I don't think he's necessarily the, like, if you, you if you, if you were, you're the first guy to ever say Scotty Scheffler. What, what do people usually say, like Brooks or Colin, like no, Colin Morikawa? Colin Morikawa. Oh, or, Colin Morikawa is a really good answer. Yeah, too. he's young. He's going to play for a long time. He's going to be competitive at uh, major championships and all that stuff. Some some sickos will go with like um, 
Brian Stewart or like someone who plays every single week. Like I can't take weeks off. Right. So it's like, oh, I, right, right, right. I've got to take yeah. Brian Stewart in three balls because I can't have a week off from Sun, golf Sun JM. You got to take Sun JM. Sun JM just, would be the perfect never take, that. never takes a day off or a week off. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think Colin is a, Colin's a great answer. Um, I like, I like having, I like being able to, I like, I want my guys. Like I want, like when I do DFS, like, I mean, maybe to my detriment sometimes, but like, I want my guys on my team. Like I want to, like, I want to build a, a lineup of like my dudes where it's, you know, whether it's like Vic, Vic Hovland or, um, you know, Scotty. Um, I mean, it, now it's gotten to the point like Zalatoris. I mean, wow. it's gotten to the point where, yeah. and I was trying to explain this to my mom a few weeks ago. She was like, who are these people like that are playing <laughs> golf on the TV? I was like, well, mom, what happened was Tiger Woods was really, really good for a long time, as you know, and everyone, all these kids watching playing golf. And now there's this flood of young talent who are all coming out, who all grew up watching Tiger and got into golf big time. And there's like a, I mean, I mean, how many, what are there like 15 to 20, just absolute young superstars who are in the game, you know, like a, I mean, I, I don't know if Sam Burns qualifies as a superstar, but like Close even enough. a guy like Cam Young, who's now on the scene, like you, we never saw this before where like you would have a new PGA season start and you'd be like, Oh my God, there's like six legit dudes who came out of the corn Ferry tour who can like compete in these tournaments right away. And it's just, it's, it's fascinating to see how that flood has kind of opened up. Yeah. Golfers one fifty to one seventy five in the world are awesome. They're all yeah. awesome. Uh, how many, and how many professional golfers could your mom name? Will? uh, probably like two, who would they be? She was <laughs> tiger woods. Uh, Tiger Woods and like Chris DeMar. Oh, no, she would know Phil. She would get Phil. <laughs> that's what, that, so like I was. Th I think about that too. You know, you think back to the um, uh, what year was it? What year was it? The where the, the Nike ball rolls in. He uh, Tiger beat DeMar. Was it 06? Was I think it was 06. Year? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, I was. It, 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 I mean, I remember. Anyway, my point being is that like, tight the competent the level of competition then versus now it's like chris demarco in these like pleated khakis yeah. like and like and like a rough hewn thick shirt out there and tiger's just you know could come in i'm not saying that tiger peak tiger wouldn't dominate at any time because he would but like the level of competition was just just not nearly as good as it is now yeah it was it was oh five I, I just looked it up um but you're right there there's it's hard to call golfers athletes now but they are way more athletes now than they were then uh okay not if it's not scotty Scheffler, if it's not colin morikawa who's the who's next in line for will brinson's dollars every single time he tees it up um well the question too is kind of interesting because like do i do i want somebody who has like because i don't want to bet on john rom every week because he's like five you know he's like eight to one now which Correct. is just outrageous you gotta consider it um yeah i mean i uh i'm a big brooks fan but it's hard to bet him every week mm -hmm. And he's got injury concerns. Who knows? What if, what if, uh, who knows? Like, ideally, I want a guy who's like going to be 50 to one every single week, play most weeks, but not necessarily be good enough where they skip the champions tour. Cause I also want to get involved in that. Like, I, <laughs> like if I'm playing the long game here, will like, I need, I need access to these guys. I know. Now I'm trying to think this is, uh, this is a good, this is, this is a very difficult question. It's hard in, in that sense. Um, because you do want like somebody who can give you a, like, I don't want to be laying like 1.5 units every week on, no. you know, cause Colin's tough, man. Colin's going to be short odds. Like you're not getting him at, at long odds. Um, uh, 
And like, and like Rory's already played for 10 years. It's just, you know, it's, you really yeah. need, maybe the answer is like the, is like, um, and Burns Burns is a good one. Zalatoris, I think could be a good one. Zalatoris is going to be my other answer. Yeah. I think and Zal plays a ton. Yep. He's fun as hell to watch. He's, he's elite he, in one aspect, which is nice. His odds are never going to be super short. He yeah. might win a major like, too. Should, yeah, he should. He's gonna be playing the whole time with with Morikawa and Hovland. Like he's he's never gonna be a. I mean, he might actually he might be at some point like a fifteen to one, sixteen to one guy, but he's never gonna be like an eight to one guy. I wouldn't think right. unless he just figures the putter out. And if that so, happens, yeah, Zal- you've made a lot of money in the process getting to that point. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So I'll say Zalatoris. Yeah, Zalatoris and Scheffler, and and I love I love Hovland, man. Yeah, I mean, he's like he's, he's like just he looks like a he looks like he's constantly on like. 10 to 15 milligrams of like CBD or, or like, or just like, he's just always smiling and happy. And he is such I, a I know, normal just, guy. He's just a normal yeah. guy, which is cool. And he's also and like I, the I like, best golfer in the world, by the way. <laughs> right. Like I like, I like dudes. I like, I want, I mean, and I, I, everybody likes guys who hit good irons, but I want guys who I want stripers. Yeah. Like I want guys who just, you, you know, you know, when they go out there and their irons are scorching hot that you, you might get a corn fairy, score right like that's who i want yeah like if we if i asked you this question 20 years ago and you picked and you didn't pick tiger and you just picked like adam scott like at, that would have been awesome right you would have got a bunch of wins yeah. along the way he you would he teed it up all the time he would have been fun to watch he would have given you a chance it, like you know it's it's a fun little game and people give you well, a look I, into their personality when they answer but you can i mean i got i mean i know that he's not popular right now but you can see it over my left shoulder um the uh the signed 18th t flag from uh phil's first uh Phil's first first major. My cousin Erin worked at um she worked for the PGA and was at Baltashall and uh she she got that it's it's not the actual 18th flag obviously but um she uh she got that and when she moved from uh, North Carolina to Dallas was like she was like if you dr- if you drive me out there I'll give you this this flag from the from, awesome. from Phil's That's first major. That's a good major. trade. So was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. She regretted it immediately. I love that. I love that. Uh, yeah. Will Brinson, available on Twitter, at Will Brinson. I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate you coming on and joining me in the kind of unknown version of the podcast, educating yeah. me a little bit. I'm, I'm glad we could uh, figure this out, but I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, anytime, Rick. And uh, hopefully we do get to have beers uh, in Vegas for the draft in like a, a, a month or so. I'll be here. I'll be here. Looking forward All to right, it. Man. Thank you. Will Brinson right there again on Twitter, at Will Brinson. This has been an episode of 300 Yards to Unknown, and we'll catch you next time.